What do you do when you owe more money than you make in your retail business? Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail, the podcast of The Retail Doctor, and I'm your host, Bob Fibbs. My guest today is Mike Sheldrake, owner of Polly's Gourmet Coffee in Long Beach, California. Mike was one of my very first clients 26 years ago, and his perspective as a thriving independent after 44 years in business has a lot of clues for anyone looking to thrive in this time of COVID-19 and economic uncertainty. So let's get going. I'm excited today to talk to Mike Sheldrake. He is the owner of Sheldrake Coffee Roasters in Long Beach, California. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, absolutely. So let's discuss this uh, name. I used to know you as Mike Sheldrake of Polly's Gourmet Coffee, but oh, I yes. saw in your your ad today that uh, you are moving on. So what's yes, the story are. behind that? Well, the story is, you know, we started in 1976, and we were the only in-house coffee roaster between Beverly Hills and San Diego. So if you said gourmet coffee, you had them, and people didn't know what it was or where it was. So they heard gourmet coffee and they came in. And of course, our marketing advantage uh, versus the big boys is we roast the coffee in the store every day, fresh roasted daily. And coffee loses 25% of its flavor in the first two weeks after roasting. So over the years, all these young, talented people have come up behind us and opened coffee roasting operations. And the public has become more sophisticated so the term gourmet coffee doesn't hold the cachet that it used to. And we needed to move with the times. So we, we put together a logo that had a uh, craftsman, a machine, and a product. And we called it Sheldrake Coffee Roasting. Of we're course, they're fit. talking about you we're talking yeah. about. Right, yeah. yeah. Not some guy. It's you no, at the roaster, my friend. It, 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 it's a very complimentary stylized drawing. Yeah. And uh, sales have been going through the roof. So we're very happy with that. Both uh, well, excellent. in-store sales and internet. Oh, that's great. Well, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am, am thrilled with talking to Mike today because Mike is uh, my original hit it out of the park client that uh, was 30 some years ago. And we met under very different circumstances when Mike was uh, actually, the way I found Mike was he was in all the newspapers that everybody was talking about this uh, little coffee roaster in uh, this really high end area of Long Beach, California. And uh, they were about to put a second Starbucks, what, 100 feet from your front door or something like that. 78 people, yards away. See, yep. there you go. And people Measure were that. writing letters to the editor. This is what's wrong with America. The big guy putting the little guy out of business and. I went in there to check it out one night, and uh, I think we could pretty much say it was not a great experience on a rainy January night. <laughs> and two employees are leaning on the counter, and one saying, you know, I've already put my application in and said I was the manager. After all, when that second Starbucks opens, who's going to check? And I was like, this guy needs my help. So then I decided to call you up out of the blue. And you actually took my call, Michael. So maybe you want to fill in, uh, everybody, what happened uh, in the ensuing a few weeks from there. <laughs> when you called, I was one desperate retailer. I was $80,000 in debt for accounts payables every week. That does not include what I owed for the store or the inventory. The 
employees were running amok. I had no idea where to go, where, where to turn. And you were my, you were my last lifeline. And so, uh, as I recall, you came in and I said, what do you know about coffee? And you said, not a darn thing, but he says, I can tell you don't know anything about retailing. So, uh, we hooked up and we had a, a adventuresome nine That's months. Right. And in nine okay. months, the sales went up 45%. Thank you very much, my friend. That's right. Well, you did the work, my friend. And uh, I think uh, what I always appreciate with Mike is Mike is like the nicest guy you will ever meet. He has a story for everything. I'm shocked he hasn't told a story yet. I expected one story already, my friend. So uh, a quick story uh, I will share with Mike. Getting to an independent retailer is kind of tough. And uh, so I met Mike. And I found out that information and I said, so what are you going to do when they open the second Starbucks uh, down the way? And uh, Mike said, I'm with his usual aplomb, I'm going to send them back to Seattle. And I said, oh, that's great. And how are you going to do that? And he took off his glasses and he lowered his voice and he said, I haven't got a clue. That absolutely from that, true. From that, we, uh, I said, well, let me make a proposal, right? So I made the proposal to you. And then you did, and I brought it in. You didn't sign it. Then a couple of weeks later, I came back again. You, oh, I haven't had time to look at it. And the third time I walked into you and I said, I'm not coming back. And you told the story of the guy with, uh, he's in the house and the, um, it's flooding and he's going down the river and the, somebody's in a speedboat or a canoe, I guess, and says, jump in, we'll save it. He goes, oh, God will provide. And, then a speedboat comes, right? And then it's the house is going over the waterfall. The guy yells out, God, why did you forsake me? And he said, who do you think sent the boat? That's right. You were my and you turned <laughs> And you turned to me and you said, you just might be the boat I need. <laughs> and I and where do I sign? And that was what was a, a game changer for both of us. It, it definitely was. It, it was uh, a very frightening time. And I had no other options. I had no money. I had no ideas. And I was just grasping at straws. And you well, came no in. Hope, right? I mean, yeah. you didn't know where to turn. And your image is, everything's great. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. No, yeah. You, you, you don't show that out front. That's, that's backroom stuff. And out front, everybody thought everything was okay. Hey, Starbucks coming in. Who cares? We're going to send them back to Seattle. How are you going to do that? Uh, I don't know. I but got something uh, else to, to do. Please don't okay. ask me that. So quick story. First employee meeting. Bob said to the employees, you're all stealing. Everybody has his own deal with a customer from now on. Everybody well, wait, 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 my friend. Let's. So we what? get the account and yeah, you got the account. I sit there and right. have to get there at 5 a.m. And I'm a tea drinker. So it's like, what the hell am I doing <laughs> when they open? And I'm just sitting there. And I'm looking at the tip jar, which is overflowing with fives and tens and twenties. And I, I'm watching this go on for three days in a row. And the employees were kind of clueless. I don't know why they didn't like put two and two together. This guy seems to be awfully interested in what we're doing. <laughs> and the people would walk up and they'd say, oh, you know, I want a, a drink and a muffin, let's say. And then you'd see the cash register come up for a drink. And the they muffin. would get the muffin, and then the difference went into the tip jar. Oh, yeah. So that's, I just had to preface that because for the yeah. first meeting, I didn't just out of nowhere say this. I knew that <laughs> money was going out uh, that Mike didn't know about. And so now you can do And the new policy was 
you pay, you charge everybody for everything. There's no discounts. There's no, there's no uh, deals. There's no uh, under the table stuff. And one of the employees quit right there at the meeting. Another one quit the next morning. The customer. Another one quit that night. She said, you can't do this to us. And that's she right. looked to you and you said, I don't care. And We're said, going yes, we can. We're going to do it. And, uh, and the, and the other thing we did at that meeting, we raised the price of the drinks, 50 cents and the beans, a dollar. And the customers were in an uproar, and I knew I was going out of business. And in seven days, the sales went up 11%. So the next time you walked in the store, I said, what's next? Yeah. And we kept Nothing succeeds like success, my friend. That's right. You, you know, you got to know your numbers. That's right. Well, and uh, you got to know your numbers. I'll, I wanted to also remind you of that time we were on. Redondo Avenue, and uh, we walked in this new deli, and there was a lot of hoopla. <laughs> the guy had flags, he had balloons out. It was a cute little store, and we walk in, and there was a line, right? There was a yeah. line, and we waited oh, yeah. in line, and oh, yeah. we got this great sandwich, like something I'd get at Carnegie Deli in New York City when I could go into New York City, and I mean, just loaded with meat. And as we're walking out, Mike just says to me under his breath, "Gone in three months." That's and right. I was like, "What?" And why did you say that? Because the guy didn't know his numbers. He, he, had, he had no idea what his food cost was. He had no idea what to charge. He, did, he didn't relate his, his pricing to his rent or his labor or anything else. He just said, oh, yeah, it looks like a $2 sandwich to me. And, yeah. But he was doing the right later. thing for the customers, right? Right? No. I mean, customers love that. Yeah, they oh. love it. But he's not going to be there in three months. So they got to, you know, find another place. So I, I always tell people, if you, don't, if you don't know your numbers, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. You might have money in the bank. You might not. But if you don't know your numbers, you don't have a chance. So how has retail changed since you first began? You, you got started in the fast food business, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got started in Kentucky Fried Chicken. And, uh, and you have the totally, recipe, if I remember, right? You understand yes, the recipe. I, Is that all 11 herbs and spices. Yes, I have it's that. Not just no salt. problem. Yeah. No, okay. there's, there's pepper in there, too. But you see, when I was in fast food, I worked all back room. I was all production. I had absolutely no customer experience whatsoever. When I opened the specialty coffee store, hey, I'm right out in front of the customer, and I had no clue what I was doing, learning on the job. And the only reason we survived the first 10 or 15 years was because, number one, no one else was doing it. And number two, I had a huge corporation behind me paying the bills. So just show up and do your job, right? Yeah, but you also don't minimize what you did because I know you had a mentor to teach you about coffee roasting, but coffee roasting isn't a um, wing it type of thing. You've got to be really skilled or, or, or bad things happen with roasting. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad fiery things happen. <laughs> when, when he was training me, he, he, he would, we would do a roast and he would tell me everything I'd done wrong. And he'd say, now throw it away and we'll do it again. And throw it away and we'll do it again. And after three or four throw it aways, I said, Alan, can't I give this coffee to my friends? He said, Michael, if you give that coffee to your friends, you won't have any friends. So, but it looked yeah. good to you, right? You didn't know. Well, what like- did I know? But yeah, we, we learned as we went along, there was no specialty coffee association. There was nobody to go to. It was all on your own or through personal contacts, which we didn't have any. And so we learned as we went, and uh, we survived that. And then, of course, especially Coffee Association came along, and there was all kinds of access to 
seminars and trips and people to talk to and listen to. And that was very important. But of it's which still, you're a founding member, yes, folks at home. Yeah, very important first, to know. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, one of the first seven members, as a matter of fact. See? Uh, yeah, our first conference was held in a conference room at Disneyland. And the last conference I went through to had 10,000 people. But the, the thing about that was you had a peer group that you could go to for answers and, and, and to uh, exchange ideas with. And that's very important in whatever industry you're in, you, you know. And uh, so we learned that part of the business. And then with your input, we, we learned a whole lot about retailing, about how to customize Make money service. at it? Yeah, making money out of it. Yeah, that's always something. <laughs> well, what I appreciate is you were part of the first wave, right? You're the first wave. You were the ones that. You know, the story goes, if I remember correctly, that you would sit out on your uh, bench out front and try to pass out free samples of coffee and people didn't take it because we didn't. Oh, yeah. We didn't buy didn't coffee in a bag. What? No. It and, comes the whole, from and the whole thing soldiers, was, it's mountain it, grown. If you could get them to taste the coffee, their eyes lit up and they would say, where has this been all my life? And fortunately for us, it was that time in retail where everyone was going from percolators to drip machines. It was Mr. Coffee, and it was uh, Juan Valdez, and it was all that, all that stuff. And so we were selling coffee brewers and coffee grinders and espresso machines like you wouldn't believe. You know, those little blade grinders, we'd buy three or four hundred of them for Christmas. And... And we thought that the giftware was a big part of the business. Well, no, it's the same thing as the computers. Everybody thought when you first bought a computer, that was what was important. It's not. It's the software. It's the information. And the giftware to brew the coffee is a start, but you want that repeat sale with the coffee time after time after time. And to do that, you've got to have, number one, a good product, number two, a good price, and number three, some way to connect with the customer to make them feel as though the store is their store and you're taking care of them with their special product. And that is, and that is so important because first they buy you and then they buy the product. Well, everybody buys you and that's the thing, Mike, the trouble is you have 20 other people that have to work there and they're all, so everybody's coming. Mike here. No. Oh crap. Well, I'll come back. And another very basic thing is your employees at any point in time are your greatest asset, your greatest liability. So you can't just hire them and put them behind the counter. You got to you got to get that. them engaged too. But you well, did that, my friend. What what yeah. changed when I came on board? What did they have to do? Well, the first thing we did, real briefly, is you made me walk you through the store with a tape recorder, and I had to justify every item in the store. I couldn't say just because it's there because I like it. How does that match our dream? In that was a difficult trip. Right? How's it making money? I don't How's know. How's it making money? I don't know. So once we defined what our dream was, what we wanted the store to be, we wanted to communicate that to the employees. And we put every employee through a five-day training session, and they had to pass with 80% uh, with eighty percent uh, success rate, or we let them go. And, of 100 uh, questions, folks we at home. Through, this wasn't like three. This was yeah, a we lot. Yeah, 100 question tests at the end. Yeah, it was, it was not. It was, it was a big deal. But uh, we started with 14 employees, and we sent out 65 W-2 forms that year until we got a number of people who bought into the product and bought into the idea and bought into what they were doing. 
what well, we're I doing. Think, and then and we got. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, oh, I, I, I think is that they they followed you. They didn't. Yeah. They understood. Yeah. Oh, so he's the alpha dog, and that was kind of a, a turning point, I think, as well. When you said, "Like this is my store, get yeah. the hell out," you know, That's I've right. seen the other side. I've been there before. Not again, thanks. Yeah, when, when I finally had the nerve to say, "This is my dream. This is my boat. We're rowing it this way." And that's where we're going, either grab an oar or get off. When it's your boat, we'll do it your way. And, uh, boy, I had a lot of people not buy into that idea. But once they did buy into that idea, they became uh, disciples of what we were doing and became very proud and very successful in what we were doing. And, and they were making money at it, too. Um, that's the thing. That's exactly yeah. it. That, you know, just help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. But you're going to yeah. do that first. You know, you have to put the we have to put the the log in the oven before it's going to give you heat, kids. Yeah, well, I, just keep... as I tell every new employee, we're going to give you all the tools you need to be successful, both the physical tools and the mental tools. And we're, we're not only going to teach you how to pour hot liquid into a paper cup. We're going to tell you how to find out what the customer wants and find efficient ways to get the customer what they want. And um, so important. Mike and I will continue talking in just a bit, but first, a quick word about Sales RX, our sponsor. You know how hard it is to grow your sales, whether you're in the coffee business, retail, hospitality, or restaurant industries? Then let me introduce you to Sales RX, the online retail sales training program built for today's training needs. We show you how to open your heart to strangers in a store and win against online competitors. SalesRx is the exact process I've taught some of the largest Fortune 100 retailers, regional chains, and even, yes, my original client you're hearing from today. You can find out more by visiting salesrx.com. Now let's get back to our conversation with Mike Sheldrake in Long Beach, California. I almost uh, bastardized your brand, and yet it was one of our best products. Do you remember what uh, I said we had to come out with for the holidays? Cozy fireplace. Oh my brand. God! Cozy, and you know, people are asking about it now. It's coming back See? right now. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, and it, and Mike is a purist, folks at home. Mike was like, uh, "We're not selling uh, all these different types of, of flavored coffees." Yeah, I'll have some of it, but mine is the person that wants the good stuff. They're gonna come to me. And uh, and we worked really hard and got a couple of them that did really well and and yeah. opened up a whole new market to you, right? Whole new market, yeah, whole new whole, whole new niche. It's a, it's a, it was the same thing that happens in the wine business where people would start drinking wine by drinking those flavored wines, Annie Green Springs, Strawberry Farms, or whatever. Then they would move into whites, and then they would move into rosés, and then into burgundies and merlot. With the coffee, they would start off with hazelnut or chocolate raspberry nut. And then they would move on to the to the straight coffees, and but that that filled a real important niche. And uh, when you put that coffee out there, and there were a lot of stuff you did that I let you do because I know, yeah, I know, but it worked. <laughs> See, that's I, the thing. I said, let, let him do it, and then we'll show him how dumb he is. And then you, you go, go look at the sales, and you go, well, yeah, a little bit less dumb than I thought he was. Yeah, you're like, holy crap, I'm actually holy crap. Money. You know, yeah, I remember oh, Bob, the oh, Bob and I had a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that, my friend. I, Cal State Long Beach came; uh, their managed their MBA program wanted to yeah. do a study of us because yeah. of the 
the you know the tagline was down the street from ordinary and we had all this press and we just it was you know it was a great time it was a great time to it do was what very we did. exciting yeah we, um, we were in the right place at the right time and i'll remember there's a dozen of them interviewing me and you one afternoon and one woman says well how do you know that your marketing worked and i was like <laughs> yeah, well our yeah, sales yeah. were almost doubled and she goes well didn't you give out like coupons and discounts to know if they're working <laughs> is that the same crap they're still teaching you and they looked at me like, well, yeah, this is the same. <laughs> and, and you're just laughing. You're like, yeah, we don't it's do not, that anymore. Yeah. We don't yeah. do you know, that it's, anymore. It's not how much money you bring in. It's how much you get to keep. But, you know, and, and they would say, what, well, how, how do you know if your sales are working? And Bob says, we look at the cash register every day. Shop with me because I'm small and I'm mobile and I'm agile and I can, I can, uh, modify my offering to, to, uh, suit what your needs are. And that's the way you compete with the big boys. So you, you, you make the store their store. They, they come down to our shop because we know how to make their latte or we know how to roast their coffee or we know how to do their blend. And uh, unlike most coffee houses, we sell a lot of coffee. We sell upwards of 60 tons of coffee a year, both retail and wholesale. So that's a good thing for us. But I see so many of these poor little undercapitalized dress shops, sunglass shops, whatever they are. They come and they go, and it's just so disappointing. And, and I keep trying to get a, a group of people from Cal State Long Beach, the business people, to come down and do seminars, but nobody wants to come to the seminar because they can't come. We know it all. Shop. Yeah. That's, we, we know it all. Yeah. What, what are they going to tell me? What are they going to tell me? I, yeah. I'm too busy. Yeah. Uh, okay. You, you probably never heard that in your career, Bob, but that, that's out there. Yeah. 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 You, heard it, you heard it once, you say? Just once. <laughs> Just once. Was it you? No. It was me, no. Uh, <laughs> no. So, no. you know, the the story that Mike and I, uh, you know, we, we have been friends for a long time. And uh, this all did result in a story in the New York Times on uh, in October of 1997, where I just called him up because we had so much success. And it really was, would you vision how a little guy beat the big guy? And they're like, That's we right. would. Yeah. That's yeah. still the marketing that people can relate to. There's an underdog, I can support this, and they're fighting for my business. I think right. no matter where you are, that's the story right. that always comes out. I, I just did a blog uh, recently on the difference between Levi's and Gap. Gap is closing 300 stores, yeah. they're all gonna go digital, blah, blah, blah. Levi's is opening 100 stores, they're doing a partnership with Lego, putting Legos on their clothes, Yep. They are opening more stores and saying, how do we be more connected to our customers? Yeah. Yep. And ultimately that still starts from that kind of a spunky startup feel. Don't you yeah. think that independents, the best independents do? Absolutely. And, 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 you know, we don't want to make this a COVID po uh, podcast, but COVID is teaching people that they need to be innovative. They need to pivot. They need to find a new way to do things. And, and the people who are able to do that are going to survive. Now, you know, some people, they just don't have a chance. Like if you had a coffee house in a, in a downtown uh, high rise, you're, you're in trouble. Uh, but if you've got the type of business where you can make adjustments and find out what the new needs of the customers are, you, you can survive. I, it, real quick story is I've been complaining for years that the Internet has taken away my uh, giftware business. And I have, and that's true. It, everybody's buying sure. it online. So I have a friend who sells gourmet coffee giftware, grinders, brewers, espresso machines, and so forth. She sells them to Williams Sonoma, 
William Sonoma is going crazy selling that stuff now because people are brewing at home and they haven't been before. And I and she said to me, Mike, you have a website, don't you? And I said, Yeah. She says, Put the wet, put the giftware on the website. And I'm going, Oh, yeah, okay. So now we're selling on on you know we could have done that five years ago we could have done that ten years ago but there wasn't the pressure on me to think about how to pivot to that to that point and that's a big challenge for a small retailer is that you don't have an infrastructure around you challenging you to be better every day you that's you, such a good point you know you you say am I going to work a little bit harder or am I going to go play golf and there's no one to tell you no. And that was the big thing when you came in is you, you kept poking me. You kept saying, you can do better. You can do this. You can do that. You can do the other. And a smart independent keeps challenging themselves that way. That's one of the reasons you go to trade shows. You know, I go to a trade show. I've, I've been in the business 45 years. What are they going to show me? And then well, you I can walk, honestly say that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but then I walk through the convention center and I go, oh, I never do this. Oh, I never do that. And you always find a, uh, it may be the same thing you've been doing all along, but you found a more profitable way to do it or an easier way to do it or, or something that connects with the customer better. And that is a never-ending story. I, I tell my staff that we have three constants in this business, the passion for the quality of the product, the passion for the quality of the service, and change. We're always looking for a better way to do it. And uh, that's not unique to me. That's, that's people who, who are going to survive in, in this environment. That is a great point. And, you know, I've heard it said, uh, somebody was telling me that, uh, you know, uh, people say, oh, all these places are going out of business. Um, but it's kind of like the indicator lights on the dashboard were all flashing beforehand. <laughs> it's not like yeah. Demon Marcus yeah. was like, oh, we're yeah. doing great. Oh, yeah, suddenly yeah. <laughs> there's a pandemic. Whoa. Right. I mean, yeah, tier one, it's not like everything is going gangbusters, doggone it. We were no. And no. so we have been through the first fire, I think, which is the initial shutdown, et cetera. Right. Uh, it is terrible to be a restaurant right now. And particularly I'm up in upstate New York and, you know, it's getting cold. And so what are the big uh, uh, cities going to do? I don't know the answer to all that, but I will say this. That what I'm telling restaurateurs is, yeah, I get it. A lot of people have closed since the beginning, but in six months, it is going to be the gold mine to be in because yes. we are going to be looking for it. We are going to be oh, excited yeah. by it. And oh, you yeah. damn well better be ready to exceed our expectations because I won't go out if you're just going to say, well, you know, due to COVID, we're opening kind of slow and, and we're go big or go home, as they used to say, right? That's right. That's right. Find a way to make it better. There's also the fact that we've got an amazing number of uh, empty stores up and down our, our street now. And everyone's going, oh, woe is me, woe is me. Bob, there are so many young, innovative, eager entrepreneurs out there that are looking for an opportunity. And to put a new store in on this street is just a, uh, an opportunity that, that they won't get in, in decades. And you, I, think, I think it's very incumbent it. upon the commercial property owners to structure those leases, to let those people get in for those first two to five years and get established and make some money. Uh, it's Or you know, let the whole place go down and say, we're going to hold our rents and, you know, yeah, we want try to get the, a square foot. And that's try to get the gonna, next yeah. Gap to come in or the next yeah. Jamba Juice or the next nope. Lululemon. And yep. you're exactly right. I see a lot of parallels to the coffee business because you were yep. in that first wave. The second wave is the big boys, the Starbucks, the Seattle's yep. best. 
they come yep. in standardized practices. And then all the baristas and people who worked for you and for Starbucks, et cetera, the third wave is the young ones that have been out there and say, and we're gonna do even better That's by right. going away from the big box and do some, and I think retail is exactly the same way that people, there were the pioneers, there were people that were in the marketplace down from you, Second Street, et cetera. They might've been really successful about it, gotten out of it. The big brands came in and it was like, great, we got a long-term lease. This is great. And now they're going belly up or they're saying, hey, there's not enough volume here for us. But a smart little retailer can come in and say, but there might be for me. And I don't have to be the next uh, Chico's or something. I can just be no. a really curated, great little shop that's going right. to take care of my couple of miles around. I don't have to try to do it. And you know what? They're going to be successful because they have the right. same attitude you do, which is I'm change is where it's about. Yeah, I'm going to find my niche. I'm going to fill it. And I'm going to know my numbers so I know how to fill it profitably. And I got to tell you, last month, uh, October, for the first time since March, we showed a profit. So, yay for Congratulations. us. You know, Congratulations. Congratulations. You can our, finish uh, that thought if you want. Yeah, uh, uh, the reason we didn't show a profit before that, of course, is all the restaurants were closed. So we were kind of trading dollars for a while. Yeah, but yeah. but we've made our pivots, and it cost a little bit of money to change the name, which we yeah, knew right, was coming. Right. Yeah, so now we're we're on a profitable uh, trajectory, and we've got uh, November, December coming in, and we just got uh, sixty five pounds of Jamaica Blue Mountain delivered yesterday, and we sold. He would never 20. carry that before me, my friends. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, go ahead. And we sold twenty five pounds yesterday, at seventy one dollars a pound. Thank you very much. Better get cozy so, fireplace friend out there, my friend. They're looking for it. Don't <laughs> wait. Don't there. wait, baby. Don't you, wait. You know me, well, Bob. I learned my lessons. That's it. Well, I, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. And, you know, the name of this podcast is Tell Me Something Great About Retail. Uh, what's one thing you could tell us about? Uh, why do you enjoy doing what you do? There's so many reasons. But, but one of the great things about retail is the immediate job gratification. When somebody buys a cup of coffee or they buy a freshly baked pastry or they get a pound of coffee and they go, you know what? This is the best damn cup of coffee I ever had in my life. That goes such a long way. And when they walk in with their friends, they say, this is the place we told you about. These guys know us. This, I got a special blend that they only make for me. That, that's just fantastic. you know. And then I've got employees that come back 10, 20 years after they've worked here and they go, I didn't know it at the time. But this is the best job I ever had in my life. You know? And then they say on the side, is that El Diablo still there? Is that El Diablo still there? And have you learned any new jokes? And I That's say, right. And no. the answer is no. And I say no to both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Great job. Time. Glad to Thank hear you. it. Mike is such a great storyteller. I particularly appreciate his outlook on business owners who failed because they became enamored with their product and they didn't know their numbers. Look for another episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail when I talk about holiday preparation soon. You won't want to miss it. I'm Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. Thanks again for listening. Tell Me Something Good About Retail is the podcast of The Retail Doctor. Visit RetailDoc.com to learn what makes Bob Fibbs the authority on brick-and-mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest brands all the way down to the smallest mom and pops. As a listener of the Tell Me Something Good About Retail podcast, you can receive free information and guides when you visit RetailDoc.com. 
and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. For more information, to access the complete archives of past retail goodness, and to see about Bob speaking to your audience, please visit retaildoc.com.